We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Maybe you can relate with me. I have this low-volume feeling I live with. It's the thought and the feeling that I don't belong in God's family or that he'll kick me out. I often hear it first thing in the morning when I get up. It's a little bit louder then. On Christmas Day of 1996, it was like heavy metal loud, Mm. and I felt like I was cut off from God. But now just this constant low-volume thing. And why do I have this feeling? And I've thought this through. I actually think at its core, it's part of being a human banished from Eden where God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Sally Lloyd-Jones writes in the Jesus Storybook Bible, God had given Adam and Eve only one rule in the garden. Don't eat the fruit on that tree, because if you do, you'll think you know everything. You'll stop trusting me, and then death and sadness and tears will come. God knew if they ate the fruit, they would think they didn't need him anymore, and they would try to make themselves happy without him. But God knew there was no such thing as happiness without him, and life without him wouldn't be life at all. As soon as the snake saw his chance, he slithered silently up to Eve. And here's here's the question, which I think leads to my insecurities. Does God really love you? The serpent whispered. Mm. If he does, why won't he let you eat the nice, juicy, delicious fruit? Poor you. Perhaps God doesn't want you to be happy. So wondering if God will keep me and his family started there. Wondering if God really loves you and me started there. It's an ancient and powerful strategy that Satan still uses. And he will say in one form or another, does God really love you? He wants you to question that. Mm -hmm. You know, look at your past. Look at the things that you've done. Does God really love you? Or that thing that you would love to do and it's just out of bounds. God's holding out on you. You know, he doesn't really want you to be happy. So that that's why you should go ahead and do that thing. I mean, just that's really what's at the heart of the enemy speaking to us. Does God yeah. really love you? He's undermining the truth of God and the love of God and the goodness of God, causing us to just, he's just wants to plant seeds of distrust that he will nurture mm-hmm. and he wants to see grow in our hearts. And sometimes he speaks through other people, even though other people don't know that the enemy is speaking through them. You know, he can speak through people in your circle, stuff that make you doubt that God loves you. And sometimes it could even be a believer who just mm. is unwittingly, foolishly saying the wrong words. Right. So it's good to have people that you can really trust who speak life to you and but none of us are perfect. And so we got to come back to God's word. God's word is what tells us about his love. And there are a lot of times I don't feel like God loves me. That's okay. I don't need to feel it. I love feeling it. I love God's presence. Sometimes feel it, but I don't need it Hmm. to know that God loves me. Yeah. I feel like we need to take control of the volume, you know, like turn down the volume on the feelings of distrust, turn up the volume on the truth of God's love. So how do we do that? Yeah. Well, 
first of all, feelings are legitimate, you know, and sometimes feelings are, are telling us things. Well, feelings do tell us stuff about like the wounds that we have. And so we need to sometimes explore the, the feelings to, to try to see where, where the brokenness is. I think mm-hmm. that's the importance of feelings. But once we know what the truth is, it's, and we've worked, we've done the work of working through the feelings, then, I mean, really it's just, is God trustworthy, you know, and, and God has proven himself trustworthy to me in many, many different ways, uh, personally, experientially. And I know that I need to trust his word and not my feelings. And I also know, you know, the historical evidence for the truth of, of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. Those are things that I fall back on. And so, and I need others in my life speaking the gospel to me. So our feelings are informative, but they shouldn't be the decision makers. Mm -hmm. I very early on in life, when I came to realize that because of the makeup of my body, there were, there were going to be times pretty regularly that I was going to feel big feelings and have emotions. I made a decision in my teenage years. I will not make a decision about a relationship or about during these days when I know that my emotions are going to be really loud. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'm just because they can be informative, but they're not going to control my life. I don't know why that was so important to me at that time, but I've carried it my entire life. I'm not going to be driven by this emotional roller coaster of the ups and the downs and the, this is not going to rule and reign in my life. I'm going to let it inform me when I have big feelings, but not have my feelings be decision makers. My son has big feelings and he's learned to, see these feelings, these big feelings in his life as parts of himself that weren't parented well because no one has a perfect parent. No one is perfectly loved. And so he's learned to give God's love to the, to the young parts of himself that weren't parented well. So his feelings are really important because he understands, Oh, there's this little guy here who's real anxious and he needs to be, he needs spirit led Taylor to speak to him. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. It's good stuff. Yeah. All right. So where did we start? Does God really <laughs> does God really love you? Yes, he does. The answer is yes. I'm going to go ahead and make a bold statement. I think the strongest muscle, that's ah, probably not a muscle. I can't make that statement. The strongest thing that we have is not a muscle. I think it's our mind. Our minds are crazy, crazy influential, really powerful. What we think really, really matters and is super important. Have you ever had your mind set on something and like no matter how hard you tried, you could not, nor could anyone else, get your mind off what you had your mind set on? Sure. I mean, this can be a good thing. If you're trying to lose weight or you want to write a book or you're trying to stick to a budget or you've got a goal of like, you know, I don't know, running a six minute mile, whatever the case may be. Like if you've got a goal and you can't get your mind off of that goal, that's a great thing. That's going to help you to accomplish what you want to see happen. I ran a mile in 521 when I was 22 years old. Goodness gracious. That's impressive. No, I was, I was 21. Something like that. Yeah. That's a crazy fast mile. But was there a bear chasing you? <laughs> no, this was for preseason training for basketball at Olivet. 
So my size of person, mm-hmm. I don't know, six three, six four, had to run it in five thirty. So I trained and trained and did it in five twenty one. But that's amazing. Man, don't ask me to do it now. Yeah, it'd be up there around nine. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I heard this story yesterday that was just amazing. It's a story of this farmer who shows up for this, this one of these like five day races, you know, where you, you race, I don't remember how many miles it is, but it's like five days that it takes to run this race. Like an Iron Man type thing? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this guy shows up and he's wearing work boots and overalls and everybody's like in their elite Nike running gear and whatever, Under Armour, whatever. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's got a number pinned on him and he's like, I'm in the race. And they're like, this guy's not going to make it. This is ridiculous. Anyway, he, uh, he'd never done this before. He just says, I, I chase around, I got sheep. I chase around my sheep all the time. And sometimes it takes me days to get them. So I figure I can do this. And they're like, you just have no idea what you're in for. Everybody else just sprints off the, the start line. Right. And they just take off and he just Tortoise just, in the hair. He, he's just plodding along. But problem is, he was so slow. By the time he got to camp, because on, on an Ironman like that, you, you get to a certain point, and then you stop, and then you sleep for yeah. like five hours, six hours, whatever, and then you get up and you go again. He, by the time he got to camp, it was dark, and lights were out, and everybody was asleep, and he didn't know you were supposed to stop and sleep. So he just kept running. Oh, day my. one, day two, day, he just kept on running. He actually beat the record by 16 hours. Wow. He won the race because he never stopped to sleep. He just kept plodding along. Yeah, it's total tortoise in the hair, but like it actually happened. Ignorance is bliss in some cases. Yeah. Anyway, what you set your mind on really matters. And this can work for you, but it can also work against you. If you've got unforgiveness stuck in you, you're just like, you know what? I'm so mad and I'm not getting over it. And you just choose to be resentful. That's going to work against you. That is not the ways of Jesus. And that is actually you choosing to carry a burden. You're not punishing the other person. You're punishing yourself. It's like drinking the poison and expecting the other person to die. And the key word in there is choose. Yeah. And sometimes I choose to just be mad at somebody. I make that choice. It's my choice. And so if I'm choosing to do that, I've got to reset and make the other choice. Yeah. Yeah. So what is... What does the Lord have to say about mindsets? What does the word say about mindsets? Romans 8, 5 says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. What we set our minds on, listen to this, this is so important, will set the direction of how we live our life. I don't know if you're going to go here, Shauna, but we should talk about how the word helps us with this. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should. If we are regularly in the word of God, if our minds are set on what the spirit desires, if we focus on Jesus, man, you're the outcome of your life. If you give your life to Jesus, you've got eternity with him. All right. That's taken care of for you. But you can still have hell on earth in the way that you choose to set your mind and how you choose to live your life. But if you set your mind on the things of Jesus, not only will you have eternity with him, but the way that your life, the way you experience life here and now, you'll be experiencing the things that God desires for you. I want that. So you can, you can set your mind on Jesus first thing in the morning when you wake up by saying, good morning, Lord. 
and having a conversation with him and asking the Holy Spirit to control your mind. You know, in the middle of your day, throughout your day, while you're going about life and doing the thing at work, at home, on the drive, all the time, having conversations with the Lord. You can memorize scripture. Perry, you're so good at that. Memorize scripture. Spend time setting your mind on the thoughts of God, getting his thinking into your brain. I'm locking in a new one. I can't do it for you right now, but I just started it yesterday. Psalm 143, 8 to 10. It's gold and you check it out. Okay. And when I memorize it, I'll... You'll share it with us? I'm sure I'll share it. I love that. You can end the day by, because whatever you stop, whatever you end the day thinking about, your mind continues to think about that throughout the night. So when you go to sleep, your mind doesn't go on pause and then push play again when you wake up. Your mind keeps going on the last thought that you had before you went to sleep all through the night while you sleep. Hmm. So it matters what you think about last because you're creating neuro pathways in your brain four, six, seven, eight hours, however long you get to sleep on whatever your last thought was before you went to sleep. Thank you, Professor. It's so important. I actually learned that from a brain surgeon. There you a, go. Uh, yeah. Brain I mean, science, this is, man. I'm not making this stuff up. So end your day with nighttime prayers. Spend some time talking with the Lord, remembering what is true about who he is and how he feels about you and your future, your sure and certain future. Because what we choose to think about matters, and you do get to choose. Perry mentioned that. It's absolutely true. You get to choose. So we can entertain thoughts that are opposite to what God desires for us, or we can set our minds on Him. We can think about Him morning, noon, and night. It matters what we think about. My friend Rich used to be a drug dealer. He sold some dangerous drugs on the street, but then he crashed into grace and found forgiveness and a new life. But man, Satan pressed against him and planted the thought in his mind, you probably caused somebody to overdose and die. Mm. What a horrible person you are. And for a time, he was overwhelmed by those accusations from the enemy. But Rich grew stronger in God's word and became more convinced of his forgiveness. And finally, a day came when Satan threw that same accusation at Rich. And Rich found himself saying, take it up with my defense attorney. There you go. Jesus canceled my debt and he stands in my defense. So you just have to talk with him. I love that. that you know what I mean? That's not an overnight remedy. I mean, that doesn't happen. Boom. No. Like that. That takes getting into God's word, you know, believing the things about God, that they're actually truth. And that, I don't know, I just, I think that that happens as it gets pressed into our hearts slowly over time. Talking with people about it. Yep. You know, the pain that, that you feel in your heart about the sins you've committed. It is, a, it, it is a long journey to get there. But he got there and he passed it on to me when I needed to hear it. Oh, that's awesome. 1 John 2.2 says, well, the Apostle John says in 1 John 2.2, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, you have one who stands in your defense, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Here's what that means. Every, every single moment, Jesus presents his perfect righteousness to the Father as if it's yours. And as you journey through this life and face the accusations of the, of the enemy, Jesus will keep on presenting his perfect righteousness to the Father as if it's yours. So you can say to the enemy, take it up with my attorney, because Jesus is our defense attorney. Yeah. 
he became what we are so we could become what he is. There it is, that great exchange. Yeah, incredible. But it gets better. One day, Jesus will not have to stand in your defense because when you see Jesus, you will be just like him, beautifully, flawlessly righteous with no fault to find in you. Mm. So there are two Bible passages that I preach to myself on my way to the studio every morning. And maybe you need to put this into your morning, I guess you could call it liturgy. <laughs> okay. Your morning liturgy. The what first one, Romans eight fifteen. Uh, God has not given us a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear, but he gives us the f- spirit of adoption and we can cry out to him, Abba, Father. Mm-hmm. And then Romans eight thirty eight and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yesterday was a day, I just have to tell you. Finished the show and I had a kids talk interview. I'm heading back out to the elementary schools and doing kids talk interviews. So I had a kids talk interview and we had gone back and forth about what time it was going to happen. So I dropped it in my calendar as a placeholder for 930. So we finished the show and I start working on the podcast. and I'm like, ah, I need to be a half an hour away from here, like 20 minutes from now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was a little bit crazy, but it ended up being a really good day. We had small group. You know, I meet with my girls on Monday. We had small group and we were talking about, we ended up talking a little bit about our purpose. We got really deep. You know what I mean? I mean, we talk a lot here on Perry and Shana Mornings about identity and purpose. Yep. You know, who are you and why are you here? I want to share with you why you're here. I believe I have the answer. Ready? Is this it is your answer earth, or is this? This is going to be earth shattering. Is it your answer? You you tell me what you think. All right. Okay, are you ready? Uh-huh. This is your purpose. This is why you're here. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing the God colors out in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. This sounds like Eugene Peterson's version. <laughs> Of the Bible. It's the message. It's Matthew 5, 13 through 16. So that should be even more convincing than the fact that it was something maybe good that I came up with. No, this is scripture. This is this is God's answer to your question, what is my purpose? I believe it. And he's saying that he created you to show the world who he is. I You're, said I believe it. Okay, I, I'm not done. <laughs> You're here to bring God beauty into the world with your life, with the way that you live your life. And this is going to look different for each of us. I would call those not our purpose, but our assignment. Like we have different giftedness that points to God and shows people who God is. And and it's different for every single one of us. Maybe, oh my goodness, yesterday I talked with uh, Juliana uh, Rubio. She's a, a professional ballerina and she's she writes ballets she writes the stories and then she choreographs the stories and then she has she teaches the dance to professional ballerinas and and they dance out the stories that provoke conversations about faith i'm like come on i mean that's just that's extraordinary talent right there maybe you are so good with a camera you just know exactly how to how to crop it how to 
what exactly needs to be in the frame to make a picture that just is captivating. Or maybe it's how you think outside of the box. Or you just make complicated things sound really, really simple and understandable. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe you just make the best darn cookies in the world. (laughs) And you bring them to someone at just the right moment. Or you just say the right thing at the right moment that someone needs to hear that just releases their anxiety or brings them peace or helps them to focus back on what is true. I don't know. But in all these ways and in your own unique way, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are walking through this day, October 3rd, 2023, showing the world who God is. Salt of the earth. We're here to preserve the world. The world is is rotting you know, from the poison of sin. And it's not that we are morally superior. We have been given the Holy Spirit. We've been changed. We've been redeemed. And so because of that, we get to cause the world to be preserved. Yeah. And then, of course, light is is everything good, just the goodness of God, just like a supernova to the world. That's what I, that's how I want to live. Yeah, bringing light. I mean, think about it. How many times are you in a conversation and it's just like, it's all dark and murky and, you know, whiny and complainy. Sometimes I'm the bringer of that conversation and I need to switch my own way of communicating. Same. But sometimes somebody else is the bringer of that conversation. And what if we brought light into that moment? And I'm not talking about not being honest about what's actually happening. I'm talking about being able to bring the truth into the circumstance. That's the salt. That's the light. That's how you and I get to live today so that God is known in West Michigan, at Gentex, at where you're going to work today, in your home, in this studio. We want to speak and act and think and believe in a way that brings out the God colors of the world. Let me just read this to you again. So now that you know it's scripture, it's Matthew 5, 13 through 16 from the message. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. So let's let the secret out. Today is not insignificant. Today is super, super significant. You are not insignificant. You're incredibly significant. And how God created you, how he made you to be, is how you show the world that God's awesome, that he's beautiful, and that he's here. Rushwit is joining us this morning. He's a pastor, he's a counselor, he's an author, and he is one of the contributors to the Life Council Bible. It's practical wisdom for all of life. And the Bible includes more than 150 full-length articles from respected Christian counselors and scholars on just a whole bunch of different topics. So we're talking about the Life Council Bible. And Rush, you've written some other books as well, including Die Hard Sins. Talk about, you know... I can relate with diehard sins, and I think every believer can in some way, shape, or form. How do we deal with those diehard sins in our lives through the gospel? Yeah, I think that's a great question, and it really is central to uh, what it means to be a Christian, because one of the things we can't escape is that we live in a fallen world. We have remaining sin in our own hearts, 
And when the heat of life presses in on us, it really has a tendency to bring out what is inside of us. And we get to see some of those, some of those ugly things that are there. And uh, for many Christians like me, I find that my expectations over those struggles that I have have been really off. I kind of expected that when I find an issue in my life, you know, it could be something like anxiety or worry or pride, that if I could just, you know, listen to the sermons and read the books, that suddenly those problems should just go away. But the reality is that we all see that they just kind of linger, and that's why I chose to refer to them as die-hard sins. They just don't die easily. They keep going and going. But the good news, which I write about in the book, is that the gospel of Jesus has power to reach into the very darkest parts of us and to bring the kind of help and hope that we need so that those things can be diminished and changed. They may not completely go away. We'll be tempted to worry. We'll be tempted to maybe lash out at other people. We don't get what we want. But the good news is that as we continue to hear God's Word and we have His truth at work in our hearts, that we gain strength in fighting against those sins on a daily basis. And really the, big, the biggest part of, of, of that fight is the gospel part. It's the part of remembering what Jesus has done for us and really committing ourselves to, to utilize the resources He gives us in himself, in his good news, mm. to see those changes happen. We're talking with um, Rush Litt today, and he's one of the contributors for the Life Council Bible. And I'm not a counselor. I don't have that training. I don't have that background, Rush. But I can tell you that what you're saying, <laughs> I have experienced in my life. So in my early 20s, I dealt with so much anxiety. Oh, my goodness, so much anxiety. I would spend my evenings, my last waking moments of the day, reflecting back on all the stupid stuff I had done throughout the day and wishing I could have a do-over and I shouldn't have said this and I should have said that and why didn't I? And just really it was kind of like some kind of (laughs) self-abuse. That was how every day ended and just I dealt with so much anxiety. Today, fast forward decades later, you know, I... My practice, my regular practice has been being in God's word and having exposure to the gospel and letting that impact and influence my life. And I go to bed today praising God for the ways that I saw his hand at work in my life. You know, it's just, it's a complete transformation from from where I used to be. That's uh, That really is important. I think what you're describing is the experience that, you know, we all we all need to have because uh, we have these struggles that just continue to go on and on. And they, they, they tend for me to get my eyes off of where my vision should be. And they, they, I tend to do the same thing that you have done, which is I kind of look back and focus in on what I have done and how, how maybe I have performed or the decision that, that I have made. And that's important. But I've also been helped by the advice that for, for every look at myself, I should take 10 looks at Christ. And I need more help and encouragement from other wise Christians and those voices, and ultimately the voice of the Bible, to remind me that Christ is the one who has done all for me, and I need to keep my eyes on Him. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. 
That's 800-968-8930. 